Anarchism is not bombs, disorder, or chaos. It is not robbery or murder. It is not a war of each against all. Anarchism is the very opposite of all that. Find out for yourself. Tune into Subversion 1312. Live, Tuesdays 9 to 10 p.m. on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM or streaming 4ZZZ.org.au. Podcasts and related content available at subversion1312.org and channel0network.com. Conclusion? We stand for anarchy, anti-capitalism, anti-racism, anti-authoritarianism, internationalism, autonomy, direct democracy, ecology, self-organisation, solidarity, anti-fascism, anti-neoliberalism, anti-nationalism, atheism, equality, and freedom. Freedom. Good evening. You're listening now to the Anarchy Show, Subversion 1312 with Linda and Jen. Hello. Coming up on tonight's show, I've got an interview I did today with Jessica Morrison, who just got back from America. This is another episode we're going to be talking about Emma Goldman, and this is this is basically it for her 150th birthday, maybe next year when it's 151, we'll do some more she got back from a tour of Turtle Island, the United States, North America, and Canada. And one of the things she went to there was a symposium on Emma Goldman. I'm going to talk about that. And Extinction Rebellion is something I haven't talked about yet. And I've got some thoughts and I've heard some other people's thoughts on it, such as the stimulator from Submedia. I heard today something from Dissident Island Radio, who are in the United Kingdom, and they're part of the Channel Zero network of Annika's podcast, which we're part of too. And they're talking about Extinction Rebellion. Apparently, the whole show was basically slagging off Extinction Rebellion. That's what you've got to look forward to. And also Bad Cop No Donut, plus some brand new music. Anarchy Dog is here. Little Claude, he's had a a haircut, getting a mo back, like a mohawk owning along his back. He's a punk dog, he's right into it. Radio, uh, this is the interview I did with Jessica Harrison, and I've made this into... Uh, package with a song in the middle. I went to a town called Ann Arbor, which is the place where the Labadee Collection, which is the main anarchist archive in the English language um, in the world. And so I went there to an event which was also celebrating her life and which um, at which there were quite a few speakers. And at the same time, there was also an exhibition showing pictures of her and also her, some of her travel documents, which was called A Revolution Worth Having, Emma Goldman at 150. I told them, of course, that you were having an anarchist ball in Brisbane and they were very happy to hear that. This is in Michigan, so um, so not too far away from Toronto, which is where she lived um, just before her death. And 
I'm not sure where she's actually buried, um, but um, there were mentions in the exhibition, of course, um, about the last part of her life. In fact, the daughter of the family who she used to stay with in Toronto it now runs the, the anarchist archive there. The event Jessica attended was a symposium called A Celebration of Emma Goldman at 150, a day of lectures and reflections on Emma Goldman and the anarchist movement. It was basically initiated by academics um, who, who'd all sort of had some inspiration um, from Emma Goldman, but also, yeah, um, it wasn't, you know, organised by activists, but there were activists there, for example, there were people there from Fifth Estate and there were people there from the local anarchist group. And um, so um, it had, I've got the program here, so I'll just mention some of the topics. So they had, they were giving away copies of Vision on Fire, which is a book by David Porter, who wrote about Emma Goldman's experiences during the Spanish Revolution and what she got up to there. Of course, it was a major inspiration for her later in her life, um, especially after losing her best, you know, her companion, Alexander Berkman, for, to actually have the Spanish Revolution happening. And then it, they moved on to another speaker who I found really interesting, and she, she spoke on Emma Goldman's w- women. Now, she's, um, her name is Kathy Ferguson, and she's based in Hawaii. But what I found interesting about her is she wanted to celebrate the women who were often invisible to a sort of a cursory look at history, but who really, as we know, as anarchists, the people who make up our movement are many and varied, and we all put work into our capacity. And so what she was she was really doing was celebrating the people who you don't hear about very much. And so I talked to her afterwards about an anarchist woman I knew in London who was very inspiring to me who was in the Russian Revolution herself. Um, so, yeah, it was she was a great speaker. Then there was Emma Goldman and Mother Earth, and that was a, a, from a visiting scholar called Rachel Huishi Husu. And so she spoke um, about Mother Earth, the magazine. Um, that was her, um, her particular interest. Then there was... An, um, a professor called Ania Asman, who, who was actually locally based at the University of Michigan, and so she spoke about the commune in the memoir, uh, Recipes for an Anarchist Life, and what was good about what, ha- what she said was saying that, you know, someone could write an autobiography, but, it, but they could be supported by the anarchist community that they were part of and inspired by. So it's basically a two-way thing. One person might be writing their autobiography but everything they say is reflected on um is reflecting on the people around them so yep she was good and then there was praxis poetry emma goldman and literature across english and yiddish and so i can't remember much about her talk actually i'm building up to the controversial part Uh which i don't know if you've heard about this before so um so the the one that was of course enraging but many of the local anarchists, the topic, um, and also some of the visiting anarchists was the topic which was which was going into business with Emma Goldman. So it was a talk by a CEO and a founding partner of Zingerman's Community of Businesses. 
So this is a local, basically, anarcho-capitalist who, who regards himself as highly inspired by Emma Goldman. But his talk was just full of, I think that and I think this, and, and I'm a very funny, eccentric person, and, and I find anarchist ideas racy and exciting, but I'm still a businessman, and I still make a profit out of my business, which is actually a group of businesses. So as he went on, um, people knew that he was on the um, the agenda and people were thinking about whether they should storm, storm out or just not attend it. Um, but in the end, um, one of the quite sort of semi-well-known anarchists who's written a couple of books, which are introductions to anarchism, she and one of the local anarchists um, got up and got hold of the microphone and basically denounced him as an anarcho-capitalist. One of the really annoying things he said was, oh, well, Emma Goldman and, and um, Alexander Berkman did open up a cafe at one stage in Rochester, New York. Wouldn't it be funny if, he, if rather than going on to her revolutionary career, she just stayed running that cafe? And, and basically, he's just an, an idiot and... He was trying to, in a way, get some reflected glory from the anarchist movement to sort of make his little capitalist enterprise a little bit more interesting. But I do have um, a rant which was written by a, by Cindy Milstein, who was part of the disruption. <laughs> so um, this is what Cindy wrote just after the celebration. At a celebration of Emma Goldman's 150th birthday put on by the Labadee Collection in so-called Ann Arbor, Michigan, this past Thursday, the guests all got a gift, an original copy of a t of tiny anarchist booklet written and printed some hundred years ago by the archive's founder and namesake. Each of us got a different randomly selected gem. The archive had extras on hand. I know the title and um, that my, my book was Anarchism, Genuine and Asinine. Little did I know that the title would kind of sum up my experience. For the most part, it would have likely made Emma Goldman proud. Um, with the scholars, as I've mentioned. Um, and there were many inspiring tales of Emma Goldman living her life and also the whole remarkable radical and even revolutionary milieus which she, in which she educated, organised and agitated. As one talk's title captured it so well, we learned of many recipes for an anarchist life, spiced with solidarity in communes, romantic wins and shattering losses. All the talks illuminated the genuine desire for the and commitment to freedom, personal and social, even at the cost of one's comfort or even life. I could feel the ghosts of many brave ancestors filling the seats with us as support for what we face now and comfort, um, offering advice from, from two um, similar historical moments when they too had to fight fascism, capitalism, ravages and state repression and deportation. So when the one asinine speaker, a, wealth, a wealthy anarchist capitalist, took the podium, I felt myself almost possessed by Emma, full of rage from her grave at hearing this self of this self-satisfied liberal use use her quotes out of context to rationalise the capitalism she battled hard to crush. So that's just really Cindy's reflection on that same day that that um we were at, and so uh, it, <laughs> of course. Hurst, um, Cindy's um, disruption um, met, resulted in a complete dead silence from everyone who was there. No one really knew what to do. And, and afterwards, we continued arguing with the guy that um, he was just pretending to be, oh, you know, listening to it. So that the, um, the, talk, the talks went on after um, Ari Wiseman, Wiseweek,
And there were talks on cellmates and shipmates, Emma Goldman and the deportees of the USA um, Buford, which was when she got sent, she got deported from the US and sort of the people she met who were also on that ship. There was a rather eccentric presentation by the um, musicians. So they, they put some of parts of, Anna, of Emma Goldman's life on stage. And so they did a funny sort of duo where they finished each other's sentences and, and one of them is an opera singer and the other one was a composer. So that was the actual day. So that's, um, so then you have a sort of flavour of it. Emma Goldman, the famous anarchist leader... Political 
Carter's women to practice birth control. She argued that a political solution was not enough to get rid of the unequal and repressive relations between the sexes. Only anarchist revolution and not the ballot in Emma's view would set women free. Only anarchist revolution and not the ballot in Emma's view would set women free. Would set women free. Set women free. Only anarchist revolution and not the ballot in Emma's view would set women free. The most famous quotes attributed to her is, if I can't dance, it's not my revolution. 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 You're listening to the 4ZZZ Anarchy Show, Subversion 1312. We're listening to an interview I conducted with Victorian anarchist Jessica Harrison, who recently returned from a trip to North America, Turtle Island. She attended a symposium at the University of Michigan called A Celebration of Emma Goldman at 150. Although, as we've heard, the event wasn't organised by anarchists, many anarchists attended, as would be expected. I asked Jessica if they gathered afterwards. Yes, that's right. In fact, all of us who were part of the general um, a confrontation with the anarchist capitalist um, all went off later. Rather than go to the dinner, which he had put on, which was $75 a head, which, as we were saying to each other, neither Emma Goldman or us could afford, <laughs> um, we just we all went off and had drinks and chats and, um, yeah, so it was a good end to the day. Now, running at the same time as the, the day was an exhibition, um, which, as I said, had a whole lot of, I suppose you'd call it ephemera, bits and pieces of Emma Goldman's passports, um, her, quite a few photographs, some of her letters, a very powerful letter from um, Alexander Bertman to Emma um, from prison. And so, in a way, I went to see it after, a few days after, and in a way that made Emma more real to me than the discussion in um in the university because you really saw once again that she really had no country because various people, um, for example, the French government had given her a temporary passport and she'd been given a press card by another country. So, you know, the more, the more sort of human or the more sympathetic to anarchists 
some governments were actually allowing to her to have some kind of status. But her big thing was, of course, that she wasn't able to go back to America for a long time. And, of course, if you think about what's happening now to immigrants um, and how they're being tortured and punished um, in the U.S. right now, it's just a part of that continuum. Jessica's trip to America didn't just involve the symposium at the University of Michigan. I asked her if she was able to meet other anarchists and groups during her travels. Yeah, yeah. So I met the Ann Arbor anarchists, and um, basically the impression I got from them was that um, everyone is a little bit exhausted by all the the sort of protests that they've been against Trump and against um, the, all the varied problems with the rise of fascism in the US and that, that um, they felt tired but they weren't giving up. What they were doing in the lo- that local group was having film nights and just sort of building up their strength really for the next battle and they also had um, a few stickers um, which they were putting around the town, such as um, they were keen supporters of Murray Bookchin, so they had um, stickers saying, just Google Murray Bookchin, <laughs> and also ones about the cops. And uh, then um, we went over to San Francisco, um, which has a very long established, since the, the 80s, I remember this bookshop, um, and it's called Bound Together, and it's in the centre of the sort of, the old hippie district of San Francisco. Um, and the first time we went there, it was shut. But uh, the second time we went, there was it was open and really busy and uh, lots of people coming in, um, buying stuff, really well, pretty well-stocked bookshop. And, and, you know, you've got that. I asked them immediately about how they made ends meet because they were in quite a good location. And they said, well, basically, we have a very small rent because the people who own the, the building are on side um so that was interesting that was bound together i picked up lots of leaflets and stickers and all that then i went to a small town called chico um which is north of san francisco and um, where a friend of mine lived from the 80s and um they had a nice little anarchist space there called blackbird and it had only been going for a year and a half and it had um a really nice sort of combination of books, a little cafe with a whole lot of vegan food, and then an area with lots of nice comfy sofas. So you felt it was it was a really welcoming space, and they have different music, you know, cultural events, music, poetry, um, actually at the cafe. Quite a not very big, but obviously, I asked them again how they how they made ends meet, and they said they're supported by a local. Um, a local guy who actually runs the local cinema and who also, you know, helps keep the bookshop running. So, yeah, they've got some good people on their side. The last bookshop that I visited was the most well-established, really, because the whole building was owned by an anarchist organisation. And so they had a library on the first floor and then they had a pretty active um, anarchist bookshop. And what I liked about that was they had a real, really big range of people working in the shop. For example, that one day I went in there, there was an older guy, and then the next time there was an 18-year-old guy, and then another time was a, a woman, an older woman. So they said they had, in fact, the young guy said, oh, there are too many people who want to work in the shop. 
They have no trouble filling the rosters. So <laughs> that was also a nice little tidbit. I think what they have, they also have an anarchist theatre group in Montreal. Um, what they do is if they like the sound of a play or if they like the sound of a sort of a performing group, they can sort of try and invite them there. So I, I, um, talk, talk, talk to them about our Australian, um, anarchist play writer who's, uh, goes by the name of Fred Monto Stokes. So he's written quite a number of plays which have been on in Melbourne. In fact, I attended one of his plays where during the days of Occupy, um, where he basically did it um, at the Anarchist Centre in Melbourne and ran, ran it as if it was a, there was a revolution happening outside the centre. <laughs> it was pretty pretty much a fun play, and one guy actually believed that this was going on. He didn't realise it was a performance. So. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, it, it was really great. I mean, I suppose given the huge adverse conditions they've had. When Trump first got in, there were these riots, basically, and they tried to put people in... in um, they wanted to get people at lengthy stretches in prison for having attended these dem wild demos, and they weren't successful with that, but it meant that a lot of people got tied up with court cases. So um, I think people are gradually coming out from underneath that, um, but I did get the impression that, that, of course, having to fight the rise of fascism in the country and all the, the terrible things that have happened with the Nazi rallies in the different towns, I think that does take up a lot of, up a lot of people's energy. You're tuned to the 4ZZZ Anarchy Show on 102.1 FM or streaming on 4ZZZFM.org.au. and meddlesome outsiders. The general population has to be kept from interfering. They can be spectators but not participants. Spectators but not participants. Spectators but not participants. We were playing an interview that I did with Jessica Harrison and we've talked to Jessica before about the Unemployed Workers Union and the Centrelink robo-debt saga and I was reading an article today about the robo-debts that are still being sent out and some disability support pensioners have been sent some including someone who had passed away it was sent to their family so it's still going on and it's still really horrific. I'm going to go to a song now by Chung Ali featuring Emily Oramara and it's called Laughing Buddha. Everyday spitter, chinky eyed rapper from a redneck village. Uh, my pen games a new religion, make you reevaluate the man in the mirror. Uh, pre fill the propane, you wanna get it lit, I'm built to throw flames. There's levels to this shit, though, Ray. So far from me, just start the ovation. Let me lean on my swag, hit him with the facts and let him breathe after that. Such a neat kind of facts, everything I spit is increasing cardiac. Whoa, I don't wanna have to wave a gun around. No, I don't wanna tell you what my face and mouth. No. I just want my zeros in my bank account oh. Play it on the radio and make it loud Got a feeling you're gonna up to this We're transforming like we optimists Turning up with my accomplices Shut them down 
and I'm killing them. Put your hands up, put your melanin. Double up your daily medicine. Shut them down. Got a feeling you're gonna to this. We transform it like we optimists. Turning up with my compasses. On, laying down under, dreams I gone. Funky lunchbox, give me more. Leave them in the city more. Ah, uh, mama raised the go getter. Trying to be the goat, you rap, you know better. They wanna be my co defendant. Diamond in the rough, I smoke my own pressure. Ah, uh, got a hotline to heaven. I might reconnect the top five to the present. Ah, uh, or I might just forget it. Pour the champagne and campaign for Senate. Don't make me sit in parliament. Whoa, interrupt the speakers while I laugh at them. Oh, go and put my feet up on the hardest bench. Oh. Blow a little something, make a smile again If you ain't really about the life, then I'ma give you one more reason Why the council is a mind and never telling you you're dreaming I'ma summon up a demon, suck your blood in my Adidas Walk a country mind of freedom Got a feeling you're gonna up to this We transform it like we optimists Turning up with my accomplices Shut them down Grab a mic and then I'm killing them Put your hands up, put your melanin Double up your daily medicine on your favourite food. You could blow your whole doll check in a day. You could take all kinds of weird drugs. You could get into heaps of hot, passionate sex. You could win the golden casket and break the bank at the casino. You could even see Joe lose the next election. But nothing, yeah, nothing is going to give you that same warm inner glow as a new subscription to Triple Z. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, no. So hot, you'll see where all the sun rays went. Legs, arms, and head, all being moved in a frenzy. The blends be all the right cred, meaning credentials. Best of both worlds when we rocking over pearls and the instrumental. Are you ready? What's it? 
now it's time to get it lit. We got it hot like fever. Uh. Sick with the talk, passing your receiver. All about running the spot. And you know we got breath control, so no need to take a breather. Cardio kingpin. Subjugate the dub play. And you know we can't wait to bring spins. A star quizzes, A plus the final. Vocals we align, we'll move it all simul. Taneously over joints rock. We earn 30 years, so you can say we got three turns. Live off the board, unlike you and your chess men. We installed doubt in you and your yes men. And if the game had phase, we'll insert the needle. Yeah. Up evil the ground. Cause the adrenaline we blend with the sound is our thing. We're leaving the kings of all crown. So ready? ready? Are you set? set? Then jump to the rhythm as hard as you can go. Keep it steady. steady. To the letter, right? Bang. Turn it up. Here to introduce our newest segment, Numbers, Numbers with Susan. Numbers with Susan brings you the latest bullshit from your new environment minister, a numerology enthusiast who added an S to her name for good luck. Isn't that bullshit? You might be thinking pseudoscience isn't what we need from the minister responsible for the fate of our planet's life support systems. But come on, numbers are fun. Like 3,000. That's the number of native trees Susan and the Victorian government have approved for destruction so we can reroute this stretch of the Western Highway. Sure, scientists say we must plant billions of trees to avoid the collapse of all life on Earth. But Susan read some tea leaves and they said, Fuck science. Blowing up what's left of Western Victoria's giant natives will bring good health when everything's dead. Numbers, Numbers with Susan. And 263. That's the number of those trees that are sacred to the Jabberong people, the sovereigns of these lands. This majestic ancestral direction tree is 300 years old. Sadly, Susan said 300 isn't a destiny number. So she doesn't give a shit that it will get the axe to build a road. That's why right now the Jabberong are calling on people to join them in protecting this sacred landscape and ancient trees from our shit fuckery. Zero. That's how many fucks Dan and Jacinta give about signing that treaty with Victoria's Indigenous people. Cause nothing says treaty like a chainsaw. But don't worry. Vic Roads will be totes careful. It's not like when they worked on the previous stretch of highway they felled 900 giant trees by mistake. Whoops. 65 million. That's how many tax dollars locals say we'd save if Vic Roads just widened the existing highway rather than laying down a whole new road. Yeah, we could do that. But how lit is two? That's the number of minutes drivers would save if we stick to our plan and kill these 600-year-old trees. 600 years, two minutes, it's a clear choice. Numbers with Susan. That's why unless you stand with the Jabberong to demand Vic Roads alters its plans, unnecessary sacred 
ancient tree slaughtering will commence imminently. Join us next week for more destiny numbers, like 795,000, the price of the flat Sue bought on a taxpayer-funded trip, and discover how climbing Uluru before October will add three inches to your dick. Numbers with Susan. Authorised by the Department for Erasing Sacred Places. Actually, it's the very latest of the honest government ads from the Juice Media, and that is an issue which I was going to do an interview with tonight, but the interview has had fallen through. So hopefully by next week I'll have an interview with a traditional owner from the Jabarong area in Victoria where there's a plan to, to put a highway through and it's going to affect a number of sacred trees and land of course cost which sovereignty was never ceded it's been happening for a while I've been vaguely aware of it but uh, it's time to find out more about it so if you want to before next week you can go to dwembassy.com save Jabberong trees and check out that Honest Government ad on YouTube. I said that we're going to have something about Extinction Rebellion. This is an interview from Dissonant Island Radio in England and basically their whole latest show is a number of issues and also talking about Extinction Rebellion, a critique thereof. And this is a group of people who started another group in response to Extinction Rebellion. We've got Jasper and Jenny in the studio with us now from the Green Anti-Capitalist Front. How's it going? Hey, it's good. Hello there. So GAF is uh, reasonably kind of new on the scene. Do you want to explain what it is and who you are? So we started something because we saw that Extinction Rebellion was doing lots of actions and getting a lot of people on the street. And this was before their rebellion week. I think we started maybe a month before that. We had an assembly, decided that we wanted to do something in solidarity with them. So at that point, we didn't really have much of an idea of whether we would carry on, but it was quite successful. We did an action on the 15th of April. They blocked off some key roads around London, but they told the police everything they were going to do, so they rerouted all the traffic. We decided to do something similar, but we didn't tell the police anything and just went for a little run around the town, popped into Stock Exchange, the Mel's Exchange, and just caused a bit more chaos, really. And then we ended up going and meeting them in Parliament Square and had a bit of a... <laughs> a little dance with them, and that was nice. Oh. But since then, it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of grown a little bit. And when you say we, it's not Gaff, as I understand it, isn't a group with members. It's kind of a it's right. an umbrella, right? So, what kind of groups fall under that umbrella? So, we actually have some points of unity. Don't ask me to <laughs> reel them <laughs> off, but basically, that means that anyone who agrees with that can kind of take the Gaff flag and do any action. So. That could be going and handing out flyers, which, if you want, we have them <laughs> on our website, or trying to organise a local garden or a community kitchen or something, or doing an assembly with other like-minded green anti-capitalists in your area, maybe doing a demo, maybe going along to Extinction Rebellion. We have a lot of people who are also in Extinction Rebellion. Mm-hmm. 
is there kind of reticence on on their part to admit that to one side or the other, or is is it quite cool? Is it like are people able to pass from one to the other quite easily? I mean, at the beginning, it was. I think with time, we complain so much about Extinction, but mostly the complaining is coming from the people who are more involved in Extinction Rebellion, okay. and we get a lot of people kind of talking to us because. They're just so frustrated. I'd, I'd think if somebody was 100% happy with Extinction Rebellion, they wouldn't. Because Extinction Rebellion tries to cover everybody's complete needs and not leave any space for anything else. So people who are completely happy with it, they wouldn't be looking for another group. So the fact that they've also joined us means that they're not completely happy. But the model that you've explained just there, it, it sounds very similar to Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. You kind of give some principles and send people on their way kind of thing i mean are you just basically jealous admirers or what was prompted you to go out and do your own thing why not go into extinction rebellion and try and reform it from the inside i think a lot of groups have tried to talk to extinction rebellion or maybe even reform from the inside but it's not the kind of group that can be done because it's not everybody's equal non-hierarchical group where your voice is the same as everyone else they have a very strong like inner circle whose voice counts for so much more so in a way you can't reform it because those people are set in their ways and they're like the hidden leaders behind it Mm -hmm. Uh, and that way it's very different from gaff because we don't have Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, a secret inner circle (laughs) we also don't work with the cops (laughs) yeah we don't call people arrestables we call people people (laughs) fair enough so you don't work with the cops i mean what else would you say differentiates you from extinction rebellion in a way that should excite people I mean, the focus on anti-capitalism. Right. So you I think see that as being absent from uh, Extinction Rebellion. Because, I mean, one way you can look at it is that they don't mention capitalism, but inevitably the things they're suggesting will lead to the downfall of society. I mean, there was the policy exchange report, which came out recently, which says that the civil resistance model they espouse is intended to achieve a mass protest accompanied by law-breaking, leading eventually to the breakdown of democracy and the state. So, like, that sounds good, man. I want, I want a piece I wish, of that. I wish that was true but that article is a piece of garbage (laughs) oh yeah that's from the article yeah but they compare themselves let's say to the american civil rights movement which was an awesome movement but it didn't overthrow the state or overthrow capitalism in any way well they have a really a really distorted idea of what it was because they talk about non-violence i think there's one article that they or maybe it's a book that they constantly refer to which Mm -hmm. is a highly flawed book that talks about how non-violence has been more successful than violence, but what they count as non-violence would include the Rotter Army Fraktion in Germany who are carrying out, like, terrorist bombings and things. <laughs> I think it's only counted as violence once there's, like, a thousand war deaths. Okay. So it really includes most violent things. And obviously the civil rights movement in America was not entirely non-violent. They say a lot of things like that. Like, they say the suffragettes were entirely non-violent? Well, no. Mm. Like, the coolest thing about them was that they weren't <laughs> non-violent. <laughs> You're into violence and you don't talk to the police. So we've got two, and you're anti-capitalist. <laughs> I think, let's, let's say we have a more nuanced understanding of what violence really means, because they support the state, really, when it comes to it, when they say things like, we love you, the police, therefore they are supporting violence. Mm-hmm. We would say, by not working with the police, in a way, we're more anti-violence, because the police are the most violent mm-hmm. thing in this country. So in that sense... No, but we also understand that sometimes you might have to defend yourself. And if you're talking about the end of capitalism, there's going to be a reaction to that. And I don't think XR are ready, which is a shame because we now see that the state is going to take more oppressive measures against them.
The interview continues, so if you want to hear the whole lot and the other interviews that are on Dissident Island Radio, and generally check it out because it's a good show, you can go to the channel zero network, channel zero network dot com. Yeah, it's interesting, Extinction Rebellion, and there's a bit of question in my head about whether they are anti-capitalists or not, and in that interview it would appear they're not anti-capitalist but I think maybe in Brisbane they maybe they are a bit more uh, veering on to that side and yeah I guess like everything the different people have different agendas but it'll be interesting to see what happens and it's good that they said that sometimes you end up hating other people, other groups in your movements more than you actually hate capitalists, which is wrong because we've got to keep an eye on who the real enemy is. And in that vein, I'm going to play a song by Profit Margin. It's called Anti-Love.
time now for... High Priest Police! Bad cough. Not donut. Bad, 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 bad cough, 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 cough. No, 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 no. Donut, 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 donut. It's under law. And I rule. Bad cough. Not donut. Bad, 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 bad cough, 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 cough. No, no, no. Yeah, so I'm going to take this to the United States uh, in L.A. in April of this year, where several LAPD officers were arresting uh, 52-year-old Ronald Shields on charges of felony hit-and-run and possession of cocaine. Um, Shields' attorney is now calling the drug charge into question after the release of 12 videos from body cams worn by officers on the scene. Officer Gaxiola's cam shows him bending down and picking up a wallet from the ground before setting it back down and then picking up a small bag with white powder nearby. He then picks the wallet back up motions to another officer named Officer Lee and appears to put the baggie into the wallet. It's at this point that Gaxiola activates his body cam to begin recording, though it also automatically saves the 30 seconds before that activation, um, which is how the moment was caught on camera to begin with. He then appears to brag about the drugs that he found uh, three times, This footage actually contradicts sworn testimony um, and the police report from Officer Lee uh, stating that the baggie of drugs was found in Shields' left pocket during a search. Uh, Shields' attorney also believes another video shows an officer holding the small baggie prior to it being found on the ground, uh, leading him to speculate that the drugs may have been planted Uh, At the very least, this calls into question the accuracy of police reports and testimony. And at the worst, it may highlight just how easy it is to drum up false charges. Uh, Regardless, body cam footage is an invaluable tool for holding officers to account for what they say and do and how they report it. Uh, And we also have another story uh, from the States. This one is in Chicago. So four Chicago cops have been fired for an alleged cover-up of the fatal police shooting of Laquan McDonald in 2014. The 17-year-old was shot 16 times after refusing police commands and dropping a knife as he walked away. The nine-member Chicago police board found the officers exaggerated the threat posed by the teen in order to justify the actions of Officer Jason Van Dyke. Uh, following a criminal trial, Van Dyke became the first Chicago police officer in half a century to be con- convicted of an on-duty murder. A disciplinary investigation into the incident recommended that 11 o- officers be fired, Uh, But six of them left the department before they could face any discipline. So there's that story. At least they got got fired. So now I just want to talk a little bit about alternatives to police because we're right into 
railing against the police, saying fuck the police, but what are we going to do instead of calling the police? And you could try, this is from a Rolling Stone article, but there's lots and lots of information and resources about alternatives to policing if you just search on the internet for that. You could try on our mediation and intervention teams. <laughs> Another way, here's a, here's a good way. The decriminalization of almost every crime. And the major, the major thing that drugs, things like uh, cannabis trade, is used to, uh, to criminalize poor people, especially people of color. And there's also direct democracy at a community level. Reducing crime is not about social control, it's not about cops, and it's not about a bait and switch with another callous institution. It's about giving people a sense of purpose. Communities that have tools to engage with each other about problems and disputes don't have to consider what to do after antisocial behaviours are exhibited in the first place. A more healthy political culture where people feel more involved is a powerful building block to a less violent world. That's a, a pretty good one, along the lines of what an anarchist world would look like. And there's another one here about healthcare. Better mental healthcare is another way of reducing crime and policing. And often, instead of calling the police, maybe people would be able to, to call someone who could help with someone's mental state rather, th rather than perhaps come and shoot them, which, which uh, happens, unfortunately, as well. So we're just going to hear a little bit of Scatter the Rats and then the outro to the Aniki Show, Subversion 1312. Thanks for helping, Jen. Thank you for having me. every first and third Friday of the month at 9pm GMT. Check out www.dissidentisland.org for downloads and more.
pompous academics regret kicking out such a genius. Deciding to build my lab and do my research. The Time Talks Podcast. Have you ever stared at a 500-page book and wish you could just talk to the author about their ideas instead? If so, the Time Talks Podcast, part of the Channel Zero Network, is for you. Where we discuss history, politics, music, and art with an anti-authoritarian and anarchist perspective. The Time Talks Podcast. What's this light? I feel different. The Time Talks Podcast. Check out Subversion 1312 online. Subversion1312.org Facebook.com forward slash sub anarchy show. On Twitter, anarchy underscore show. And on the 4ZZZ website, 4ZZZ.org.au. think that violence can be even even applied to the natural environment because we rely upon the natural environment for our survival. But inanimate objects, especially those that are man-made and are used to destroy life, I don't think you can be violent too. I think it's a lot of times more violent to allow them to exist. 